Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast, hosted by nutritional coach Jessica Tai, where we are dedicated to promoting health and overall well being through nutrition, specifically the ketogenic diet. We will provide you with all the latest science in nutrition, interviews with experts in the health and wellness field, and answer all your burning questions so you can find optimal health. This podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and is to be used for informational purposes only. Please contact your doctor with any and all medical questions. Now here's Jessica. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. I am your host, Jessica Tai, nutritional therapy practitioner, and as always, I am very happy to be here with you guys again this week. So um, I thought since it's been a little while since I've done one of these episodes that uh, today we would concentrate on a listener um, email. So you guys send me these messages and I love getting your messages and I I know I'm not always able to respond to them, um, you know, directly, but I do love to be able to address them on the show because uh, oftentimes I will get uh, these emails that that pretty much I see kind of the same things coming in over and over. Um, a lot of you are struggling with kind of the same type of things going on and, and they're all interconnected. And I thought this email, while it's very long, um, so if you'll bear with me while I read through this, I think that it shows how so many things are interconnected in our bodies and really where everything kind of builds off the same foundation. And if our foundation's crumbling, then we are going to see all kinds of issues within the house, right? So if we've built a house on on a faulty foundation or the foundation begins to fail, then we'll start seeing all kinds of things going wrong that don't seem to be necessarily associated with the foundation, right? So if you build a house and uh, you put the foundation in and you think everything's fine and then the foundation begins to crumble, well, then you might not think that that foundation would have anything to do with the roof, right? But all of a sudden you start noticing that you've got a leak in the roof. And then you start realizing that um, you're having some issues with, uh, with the electricity in the house or the plumbing in the house. And you think, well, how is this even possible? I know the foundation's crumbling, but why is that affecting the plumbing and the electric and the roof? And now this window won't open. And it's because the foundation <clears throat> is what everything's built on, right? So when that starts crumbling, you know, now the window isn't, um, you know, there's too much pressure on the window and now you can't get the window to open. And, and now uh, because everything's shifted, some of the wires have pulled loose inside the wall and now the light switch won't work. And um, some of the plumbing pipes have disconnected and, and, and they're no longer lined up. So now you can't get the uh, water to come to the sink because the, pi- the pipe that is bringing the water up from the basement can no longer uh, reach the sink in the kitchen. And, and then your roof is now leaking because um, you know we've had some some structural issues happen to the roof and now there's little uh, fissures where the water is able to come in when it rains. And so while it seems like those, you know, none of those things scream out, oh, well, it's because my foundation's failing. When we really drill down and we really start putting it all together, we can be like, ah, I see. I see why all of these things are actually connected to the same issue to the same underlying problem. And so that's where we see a lot of, um, 
of disease and health issues that people are struggling with, weight loss concerns, all those types of things, we see them um, really all coming from the same root cause. And this email is a good example of this. Um, and this is, you know, this is for anyone, whether you are ketogenic or not, um, this is such a great email for anyone. It came in from a, a, a woman listener um, that is dealing with some, well, she maybe doesn't know she's dealing with some, but she is dealing with some hypothyroid issues, um, some digestive issues, some adrenal issues, some detoxification issues. So we're going to address all of these things um, in this in this email, and I think this is going to be very helpful to pretty much everyone listening. Um, these again, like I said, these are issues that I see over and over and over again, and oftentimes people don't realize that they're um, that they're connected. Um, and also a big one in this email is cholesterol, um, and sometimes people don't even know what their cholesterol is. Um, or if they knew, then they would probably be questioning that as well as this listener is. Um, but the cholesterol issues are very, uh, are, are very easily connected to these other issues that she is dealing with. So I think this is going to be very helpful for you guys to listen and kind of start hopefully getting the wheels turning and getting you thinking about um, how these things, you know, really can be connected. And, and we, it's, it's, it's not easy to correct these things, but we do know what to do to correct these things, and and you have the power. You don't have to um, necessarily have a surgery or take a drug or anything like that. Um, you do have the power to change things um, just with your diet, you just your nutrition, your lifestyle that can really turn these things around that seemingly are really super big problems um, that when we go visit doctors or we start talking to friends and family, they're gonna be like, oh, you need this drug and that drug and this drug and probably that surgery and you know, and the list just will go on and on and on. Um, but without realizing the contraindications of some of those drugs and how they can just exasperate the, the issues that we're dealing with and they none of them are getting to the underlying cause and, and what actually started this whole cascade of things to begin with. And if, if we can get to those underlying causes, if we can start to rebuild that foundation and get that foundation right, then we're very easily able to get everything else back into working order. The plumbing will start working again, the electricity will be able to be repaired and start working again, the roof will stop leaking, you know, all of these things will come back in to where they need to be. Um, so before I get into this email, I did wanna address uh, one, I guess two little things. First one is the Keto at the Cabin event, which is coming up not this weekend. When this podcast airs, it will be not this weekend, but the following weekend. Um, I believe that's correct. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, so it'll be the following weekend, which is um, Saturday, Let's see, we have Saturday, March 7th. Um, that will be the Keto at the Cabin Retreat. So if you have heard about it, if you're interested in it, if you've thought about it and you just haven't done anything about it yet, now is the time. Um, do not delay. Hopefully, as this is airing, there are still a few spots left and you can jump in there. We have got an incredible lineup, you guys, of 
of experts and not just keto experts. These are experts in just the holistic wellness space. So um, it is just going to be, I am so excited for this event and I just cannot wait it, wait to share it with you guys. Now we do keep this event very small. It's meant to be a VIP type event. So, um, you know, we pretty much have, um, it's a one-to-one -one ratio experts to guests. <laughs> so, um, so you get an unbelievable amount of value out of this. Um, we are feeding you for the entire day. Uh, we are teaching you the entire day. You are going to be um, exposed to these amazing experts, all of their tips and tricks and, and their knowledge they are gonna share with you. They will each give talks throughout the entire day um, that you'll gain knowledge from and then you'll be able to to ask any questions that you want. Um, and then during the meal times, it's gonna be very much just open Q&A. So we will be spending the whole day with you. It's not like you're in one part and, and all the speakers are in another part. I mean, we are literally hanging out with you. We are feasting with you. We are learning with you. We're hanging out. We're teaching you guys concepts. It's gonna be really fantastic. I mean, we are touching on everything from nutrition, cooking, eating, exercise, strength training, endurance training, eating disorders, how to get your mindset right to, um, to kind of overcome the, the cycles of just the dieting and the roller coaster of weight loss and weight gain and, and just that whole back and forth, how to really once and for all take hold of that mindset and conquer it. We've got an incredible speaker um, that that it just shall blow your mind with what you will learn and you will leave changed, I promise you. Um, and then we also have, um, we will even be touching on kind of um, just your, um, your body, your biology, and how that relates to what you're eating and maybe what you should be eating or could be eating or um, different things you should put emphasis on. So even if you want to be ketogenic or you are a, you know, you are keto, you're living that lifestyle, just kind of helping you learn how to optimize that based on your um, specific, just on you specifically and what your body needs. So there is just so, it's going to be so much. It'll be jam-packed. I mean, you will leave um, Saturday night with, I'm sure your head about to explode with information, um, but you'll also leave with new friendships because it is such an intimate setting and, and you really are getting to know everybody there. Um, not only will you probably make some connections, um, we saw this last year at the event, we saw some connections with the guests and each other. Um, that was really great. But also, in addition to that, you are going to make connections with these speakers, these people that you are probably listening to. Um, you know, we've got Danny Vega from Fat Fueled Family. Um, he will be here. He is just an amazing human being. So you are really going to love what you learn from Danny. Um, you will leave with Danny, a friend of yours. You are, we are going to have Robert and Crystal Sykes here. So um, Robert and Crystal from Keto Savage. So you, again two amazing human beings you will leave 
with them being your friends for life, I am sure. Um, Trent Holbert, another amazing human being. I mean, I could say that about every single person that will be here, um, but Trent Holbert, Stephanie Holbrook, um, you will learn some amazing things from Stephanie as well. And then um, Jessica Reynolds, which um, is awesome. And you definitely will want to be her friend and uh, will have a, I am certain, will have a, a friendship and a relationship with her moving forward as well. Um, she is just the kind of person that you know you can go to with anything and open up to. And she's going to listen and help you out and no judgment. And she's just so real and down to earth. So I mean, really, it's going to be an incredible lineup. And then, of course, I will be there <laughs> facilitating. Um, I will be leading cooking demos and making all the food for you guys for the day. And uh, that was one of the favorite parts from last year's event. So I'm really excited to be able to do that again and look forward to some really fun, a really fun menu for the day with you guys and just feeding you lots of good, yummy food. Okay, and then the last thing I want to remind you about is group coaching. So I did start group coaching about a month ago, and that is going really, really well, and it's just been phenomenal, and I'm super excited about everything that's going on with that. So we are tweaking it a little bit, making a few little changes based on um, some of the feedback and the and the way things are working, So, and they're going to be changes for the good. So I think that's going to be awesome. You will be receiving um, a half an hour one-on-one call that you can schedule with me every month in addition to the group coaching sessions. And, um, and there's all kinds of other little um, bonuses and, and freebies and things that you get as a group coaching um, client. So if you're interested in group coaching, jump on over to jessicatai.com and you can click on that link and then get signed up for that. Okay. And that's all I want to say with all of that stuff. So I want to get into this email for you guys today. All right, so I'm gonna first read you the email and then we will go back and visit specific uh, parts of this email. But first, she says, um, and this email is from, let me jump over and get this um, name. This is from Sonia. So um, Sonia says, hi, Jessica. I've been following you for a while and I've basically listened to every single one of your podcasts and I absolutely love everything that you are sharing. I currently find myself in a confused and upsetting situation. I've been eating organic my entire life in Romania and UK, but with no discipline whatsoever. I'd eat cake with a salad and thought I was doing fine just because it was all organic and homemade. I did this until I was 17, which is when I took a blood test and saw my total cholesterol was 240. This is when I decided I needed to take better care of my diet. My cholesterol did not drop ever since, but this is probably because all my family has high cholesterol and also because I'm generally a stressed person. I tried all sorts of diets until last year when I became keto. I've been keto ever since with some casual carb cycling. I even introduced meat into my diet because I really wanted to see the best results possible. And I have been basically pescatarian my entire life. I always hated the taste of meat. Not anymore. I found some that I like now. I also started drinking bone broth after I listened to one of your podcasts. I do an intermittent fast for 24 hours, sometimes even longer, but I stopped for two months now since reading that I can, that it can really mess with female hormones and even digestion. So I got scared. I work out daily. I've been doing this since I was 12. In terms of supplements, I take I used to take probiotics and digestive enzymes every day for the past two years, but my doctor said it was way too much and I should stop, which I did about two months ago. I felt great when I started this lifestyle, but after a while, my digestion system started feeling worse and worse. 
I now get bloated and gas all the time and have unbearable abdominal pain. So I was basically diagnosed with IBS and the doctors put me on a low FODMAP diet. I still eat fruits. Um, oh, I still eat fats and most of the things I use, I used to eat on keto. I just avoid some veggies and fruits now more than I did before this step. So it was no biggie. My total cholesterol now is 300 out of which the LDL is 200 HDL 100. My VLDL is nine triglycerides are 47. I have a T3 of 0.67 and a T4 of 7.19. My GH was rather low, but I'm not sure if they did the test correctly at 1.45 nanograms per milliliter. All markers I tested, way more things for my blood, seem in place according to the hospital's guidelines, apart from cholesterol and my digestion, which is getting under control with the FODMAP diet. As, as in it's not getting worse, but I still don't feel like my digestion is normal. My digestion is really slow. I went to an abdominal ultrasound and what I saw was that even though I stopped eating six hours before the ultrasound, my food did not even pass through my stomach during this time. I've also gained 10 pounds in the last year, which I cannot seem to get rid of no matter what uh, calorie deficit. I usually eat 2000 kilocalories, so I would go for 1600 fast for days, drink plenty of water or no water at all before or after sauna. I even did a series of hydrocholine therapy for cleansing and still nothing seemed to move the scale at all. So frustrating. I observed that if I stop eating salt, I'm not as puffy, but still no change on the scale. Other symptoms I've had to deal with include major hair loss and thinning, generally high blood pressure. Many times I measure sitting down and I'm at 90 to 100 beats per minute. When I am stressed, I can easily pass 200 when running. Um, she's talking about heartbeat there. I've been battling depression in summer, but feel better now. I've been doing nothing this whole year apart from sitting at home and reading about this and watching videos and podcasts and gathering info from as many books and sources as I can get to fix myself. But I seem to get nowhere and I don't know what to do anymore. I went from eating every meal at restaurants to cooking everything at home for almost every meal. I virtually spend all my money on doctor's appointments and blood tests and supplements on organic grass-fed, not farmed food. And all I wish for is to get well. Thing which I would have never thought I would end up wishing for at only 23 years old. I know you always talk about digestion being the key starter point, and I feel like throughout my journey, I've somehow ruined or unbalanced it. I was wondering if you have any advice for me. Sorry for the lengthy message, and thanks so much if you read the whole thing. I'm a really big fan. All right, Sonia, well, thank you so much for sending that in. It was a long message, but it gave me a lot of stuff to go on. Before I talk about this, I want to make sure that I state I am in no way diagnosing Sonia. I am not giving her specific advice on what to do. I am not her doctor. Um, I am not even her holistic uh, nutrition coach. She hasn't, um, you know, I'm, she's not paying me. I am not coaching her. So I, what I'm going to share with you and Sonia, um, anyone that is listening, is some um, information regarding this email and some of the things that I would think would be going on. So in order to um, really be able to help uh, Sonia really dig into this further, of course, I would want to be working with her uh, as a client, and then I would have things that I would be able to work with her on. Um, but just as a general overview, the information that I have in this email from her, I will share with you guys, if this were me, these are the things that I would be doing. And here are some reasons why. Okay, so I just wanna make sure I kind of get that out of the way. So yeah, so Sonia does mention that um, one of the 
or Sonia, I don't know if it's Sonia or Sonia, but um, one of the things that she talks about is that she realizes, she recognizes that I talk about digestion all the time and making that, um, that that is important to get balanced. And that is so true. And that goes back to what I was talking to when I started the podcast, which is the foundation of your house. So your digestion is the foundation of your body. It's the foundation of your health. It's the foundation of the function, the proper function of everything else. If, if digestion is off, then there will be dis-ease in the body, meaning things will not be functioning properly. Um, you will not be able to get the nutrients that you need that support all the different functions and systems in your body. And I think it's really important to understand that all of the things that she mentioned in this email, I see them as being very interconnected. Um, If we go to our doctor and um, they run blood tests and they see things with, um, for instance, I'm assuming that her doctors have never spoken to her about the connection between high cholesterol and hypothyroidism because she doesn't mention it. And I would think that she would have probably said, oh, hey, they think that there might be a connection. Um, but this is kind of the problem when we're, when we go to a doctor's office and we just get blood tests and we just say, give me these blood tests. And I, you know, I want to know what to do. They, and it's, I'm not, I, I try to, I try to say this every time I talk about doctors, I'm not ripping on doctors, but, um, doctors are very smart. Obviously they have gone into this, um, to this career because they want to help people. I mean, you would not go through everything a doctor goes through if your goal is not to help people and help make people better. And you have to have a heart for that, or you wouldn't go through all the things they're going through. However, the tools that they are given in their tool belt are very minimal. So, you know, if, if you showed up at, I know I keep using house um, references, but if you showed up at someone's house to repair their roof and all you had with you was a drill you probably wouldn't get very far, right? Like you can't just drill somebody's roof to repair it. Like you're gonna need some shingles and you may need some, you know, some nails and, and a hammer and, you know, who knows, you're gonna need all these different things, but a, a, a screw or a drill is probably not gonna help you if you need to repair somebody's roof. So unfortunately, I think what happens is we go to the doctor and we say, oh, okay, I need the roof repaired. And then the doctor says, okay, here, I have this drill. Let's use this drill. But they don't understand, they don't have all the proper tools and they don't know how to put all of it together to be able to to do what needs to be done. So for instance, the doctor is going to look at the high cholesterol and say, oh, well, you should probably be on a statin because that is the tool that I know I've been taught in my education is what will help you bring your cholesterol down without typically giving a thought to why is the cholesterol high and how does that interplay with anything else that we're seeing on these blood tests. So while I don't know the whole blood test in this situation, I have some clues. I've been given some numbers. Um, She had stated that she has high cholesterol, total of 300, LDLs 200, HDLs 100, her VLDL 9, trigs are 47. So triglycerides at 47, that's good. Like, so um, I'm not, so looking at that, just looking at the numbers and the ratios in her numbers, indicate to me that this is more, that the cholesterol is most likely high. And again, I'm not diagnosing this person that wrote this, but this is my take if I had this, 
um, these exact numbers, this is what I would be thinking to myself. I would be saying, well, um, cholesterol is quite high in general, and um, but my trigs are low. So, I mean, you want your you want your triglycerides to HDL to be about. So, if you take your triglycerides and you divide your by your HDL, then if you're close to one, then you're pretty good, one or less. Well, she's at only like 0.47 or something, or or you know. 0.5. So, so that's good. That's a good ratio. So I would be, so I'm not, I wouldn't be worried about, um, atherosclerosis necessarily, or like a heart attack or some kind of cardiovascular event due to, you know, like that, this is a, that this is a heart issue, that this is a vascular problem. I would be thinking more along the lines of this is an inflammation problem. Like we definitely have got some inflammation going on here that, um, there is some underlying inflammatory condition happening that's causing this to be bad because my trigs are low, but my, you know, my, um, fat transporters, basically, my LDL and my HDL um, are showing me that something's going on, that there's something happening out there. Specifically, the LDL being that high is uh, tells me that there's something happening, right? There's some inflammation somewhere going on that my body is immobilizing all these LDLs. So um, some of the clues that I get from this email is that she used to, she said she used to eat out all the time. Uh, first of all, she says that her family has high cholesterol. Now there are some people that have high cholesterol numbers and they're perfectly healthy. Um, and it's just a genetic thing. So you, so that tells me that a, she may just be a person that, that traditionally would keep higher than normal cholesterol levels anyway, and there not be anything going on. Now, I don't think that's necessarily the case here. Um, at this point, but I do think that probably perhaps her cholesterol always would have been a little bit higher than normal, which is she's in one of those categories that's really unfortunate because if you go to the doctor and you're just have a kind of a history, a family history of just having a little bit more elevated levels than the standard of blood cholesterol levels, then they would put you on a statin anyway, just because you fall outside of the norm, even though you don't necessarily have any need to have your cholesterol lowered. That just happens to be where your cholesterol tends to sit based on your family, right? Like this is just the way it works in your family, your genetics, your predisposition to this. Um, so number one, she says that her family always has that. And then she also said that she's tried every diet. She's been through all these diets and she alluded that she used to not worry about what she ate at all as long as it was organic. So I'm sure it was very high in sugars and carbs and all that kind of thing. And then um, she also says that she has high blood pressure, which high, and she says she's overweight. High blood pressure and overweight are almost always like just about guarantee you, if you have those two factors, then you are insulin resistant. You have some, some level of insulin resistance. When you have a level of insulin resistance, then I am going to assume that you probably are going to have some issues with cholesterol as well, because now you've got inflammation in your body and you're probably going to have issues with, uh, with, um, cholesterol. And there's going to be other issues going on, other underlying health issues, um, and other underlying 
kind of conditions and things that are going on that shouldn't be going on. She also talks about, let's see, she talks about the digestion um, and that that has been bad and that she used to be on digestive enzymes and it was better and now it's not. She also mentioned specifically that she did a test that showed her that after six hours, the food was still sitting in her stomach. So um, that's definitely not normal. Um, you're about, it typically should take you somewhere between three to five hours maybe for the food to completely empty out of your stomach. So, and that's going to vary depending on what it is that you've eaten. Um, of course, protein is going to take the most amount of time to digest. So I don't know what the meal was that she ate, but six hours is too long. Um, and really about 50% of that food should be out of your system in the first, you know, one to three hours maximum. So if, if she's still seeing her stomach full after more than six hours or about six hours have gone by, then that's a definite sign that there, is, there are some issues with the digestion. Um, so she mentions being stressed. <clears throat> I've talked about this before, but digestion doesn't start in your stomach. It doesn't even start in your mouth. Digestion starts in your brain. So if you're stressed and you are unable to be in the parasympathetic mode, so we talk about parasympathetic and sympathetic, so this is your autonomic nervous system, this, these are, this is your fight or flight or your rest and digest, right? So parasympathetic is rest and digest, where you need to be in that state to be able to digest food. Like you literally have to be in that state to digest your food. So if she's unable to digest her food because she's in this stressed out fight or flight sympathetic um, can, you know, place, then that would be one issue that, that she's eating and then the food is just sitting there and she's not able to, to digest it. Your, the reason we say it starts in your brain is you have to make sure you're in the parasympathetic mode. You have to be relaxed. You have to be focused on your food. You need to be present when you're eating. I mean, it is just the way it is. It, it's just what has to be. So as soon as your brain even um, acknowledges that you're gonna eat, it smells the food, you look at the food, you're, you know, whatever that situation is, your brain is what signals to your digestive system that you are about to eat food and it's time to, to get prepared to digest that food. And one of the ways that we do that is we start our, our salivary glands, start to produce saliva, which is gonna help us break down the food. And then of course we chew the food and as we're chewing it, you know, we're digesting and then it goes into our stomachs and then you know we are producing hydrochloric acid during this time um, that is going to be primarily responsible for digesting the protein and I'm not going to go into all the details we've talked about this many many times on here but um, that is usually where we see um, in this steps that I just explained this is kind of phase one of digestion this is usually where we see the wheels come off the cart this is where um, we typically just, even from the brain standpoint, all the way through the chewing, all the way through it going into our stomach, every process there is not optimal. So oftentimes we're eating in front of our computer, we're eating in the car while we're driving, we're eating while we're watching TV. All of those things are stress. They get a stress response from us. Even if we don't think we're stressed, it's a stress response. So we're in the sympathetic state while we're trying to eat food. So not only do we not prep mentally, we're not in the right state, 
but then we're eating and we're probably eating quickly because we're just trying to get it down. So we're not chewing, which optimal chewing, depending on where you read it and who you listen to, is about 20 to 30 chews per bite of food. So just next time you're eating, just when you're chewing your food, just count how many times you chewed before you felt the urge to swallow your food. I'll bet you, you will be shocked at how few times you actually chew that bite of food before swallowing. So we're not even, we're not even breaking down the food to the level that it should be broken down to. And then before we're swallowing, then we swallow, it goes down into our stomachs. Well, we haven't, the whole process hasn't been able to start properly. So the pH levels, the amount of hydrochloric acid that's actually in our stomach waiting to help digest that food isn't even where it's supposed to be. So now that food is sitting in our stomach, specifically protein and becoming, it's putrefying in our stomachs. So this is where a lot of times people are dealing with acid reflux and heartburn symptoms and, um, you know, all these just kind of bad, you know, burping and, um, the just feeling nauseous. Like this is the type of thing that you're going to get when you don't have proper hydrochloric acid levels and we are unable to digest that food. And if we're unable to digest the food, then the stomach won't empty because it knows the food particles aren't digested adjusted enough. Now at some point it will empty and those food particles that are larger than they are supposed to be end up you know, wreaking havoc um, through the rest of our digestive tract, especially the next step through our small intestine, where these larger food particles are, are getting through the intestinal walls and into our bloodstream and are being signaled by our immune system as invaders. It's creating an immune response from us because these food particles are not broken down the way they're supposed to be. And so our bodies don't know what to do with that. And, um, and it kind of freaks it out and we, we have these immune responses. So, um, this gets so convoluted. So I'm trying to make sure I don't get too far into the weeds before I come back to the point. Okay. So, so we've touched on the digestion. Okay. So that's the foundation. And I think she's absolutely correct on that. That is 100% where all of these other issues my opinion are steam are stemming from. And if this was me and I was looking at this for myself, I'd be like, this is what it is like that. So number one, hydrochloric acid, <clears throat> there is a definite lack of hydrochloric acid and there is a need for proper digestion. That can be from a myriad of different reasons. It can be because she's not properly preparing to eat, that she's not in the parasympathetic mode. It could be that she's not chewing her food well enough. It can be that she is very stressed. And if you're constantly in a stress state, not only are you constantly sympathetic, but you could be um, then producing high levels of cortisol, which um, we'll get into in a few minutes, is going to cause adrenal issues, which is going to cause thyroid issues and um, could most certainly lead to high cholesterol issues. and so there's all of these different things going on. It could also be that, um, so, so, there's, so there's that part. It could also just be that she had, that she was so nu- nutrient depleted for such a long amount of time that her body just didn't have the ability to make the levels of hydrochloric acid needed when she changed her diet to eating um, the meats because she had mentioned that she was pescatarian, which she would have only been eating fish and, and so vegetarian plus fish. Um, which is much easier to digest. 
than say like chicken or beef or pork. You know, I, she didn't elaborate on what other meats that she's enjoying now, but um, but if she had not been getting all the proper nutrients before, when I would suspect that she wasn't based on the diet, then she wasn't making proper levels of hydrochloric acid. Now all of a sudden she's bringing in all these new sources of protein, which are fantastic and are going to be able to give her the nutrients that she needs but it's kind of little too little too late. Now she can't break down those, those protein sources. And so she can't actually get those nutrients out of the protein sources. So now it's like, ah, what do we do? So she's trying to do better. She realizes that she needs to do these things, but now her body's ability to be able to do those things have kind of been stripped away. So, um, so that's, so, so there's kind of the digestion part of it. Um, I want to go back a little bit to, um, to the, to, let's see, what do I want to talk about? Do I want to talk about, um, I don't know if I want to talk about the digestion so much. Um, I think maybe what we should talk about is get into a little bit on her thyroid hormones and cholesterol levels, because this is where I see a lot of questions from people specifically on thyroid. And um, I have never worked with a single person that had thyroid hypothyroid, which is underactive thyroid, which is the most common one that I see. And I don't know what the statistics are. Um, I would have to think that hypo is way more prevalent than hyperthyroid, but, um, but I honestly don't know what the statistics are. I can tell you that in my clinical practice, I have never um, I have had one hyperthyroid client ever, and everyone else has been hypo. So I would say like 100 to 1, hypo to hyper. Yes, 100 to 1, does that make sense? Um, so the thyroid, um, part of how, I, how the thyroid really ties in to the cholesterol, um, number one, you will pretty much always see, and I can speak just from my personal experience, for sure, with hypothyroidism, you, um, I have, you will pretty much always see across the board high cholesterol levels, um, specifically total cholesterol and then high LDL, so the bad cholesterol, right? What's referred to as bad cholesterol. Um, so that's the first thing. And the reason why this is, is thyroid hormones, they actually regulate your LDL clearance into the cells. So um, if, if your thyroid hormones are off, then your, cell, your cells will actually have less receptor sites for the LDL. Um, I guess without going into too much detail, I have done other podcast episodes on cholesterol in great detail, and I will link those in the show notes, but without going into too much detail on cholesterol right now, just for the sake of time, um, I will just say that if you're not familiar with this concept or understand, cholesterol is absolutely necessary for life. Your brain needs cholesterol, like huge. Um, every cell in your body needs cholesterol. And we use cholesterol to build things like, like sex hormones and, um, and every cell in the body. And like I said, our brain needs it. And, and um, cholesterol is used in um, inflammatory processes to help 
to help the inflammation, help bring the inflammation down, to help heal our bodies. So cholesterol is super, super important. And I go into this in detail, like I said, in a couple of other episodes, which I will link. Um, but cholesterol is very needed. So if, if our cells have less receptor sites, then we're not able to get that cholesterol in there to build proper cell membranes and to build the things we need. And as women, this is even more important. And um, we, as women, we need higher cholesterol. Anyway, having said all that, so this can result in when our cells don't have the receptor sites that we need to bring in this LDL cholesterol, then that can result in having too much LDL cholesterol in our blood. So when we get these blood tests, then we are like, oh my gosh, our blood, you know, we have all this LDL floating around and that can be an indicator that you don't have enough cell receptor sites um, to take in this LDL. Another reason, um, or another way that the thyroid hormones can affect that having um, thyroid hormones that are off can affect this is that it can actually result in your intestines absorbing too much of the LDL. So, um, so this is in your intestines and instead of um, absorbing what it needs and then the rest of it is passed out of your body, this sometimes can result when these, when these thyroid um, hormones are off, this can sometimes result in us just having higher blood levels because we're absorbing too much more of it back into our bloodstream. We're not eliminating um, the LDL that we don't need. This is also linked to digestive issues, um, like we were talking about just a few minutes ago with transit time. So if, if her food, which we know because she had it tested, is sitting that long in her stomach, then pretty much guarantee it's sitting that long throughout the rest of the digestive tract, including your colon. So food, so, so things that get to your colon, um, that is where things should be eliminated out of the body after after we have absorbed what it is that we need. But when we're not eliminating at the right time and, and properly, or we don't have the right um, molecules to take the toxins out of our body. And when I say toxins, this can be oxidized LDL, this can be um, hormones that have been, that we do not want to recycle. So like extra estrogen hormones, things like that. We have all these epidemics of like these high estrogen levels. And I would submit that a big part of that is that we have epidemics of terrible digestion. And when I say epidemic, I just mean it's like, it's pervasive. It's everywhere. Um, I see this clinically all the time. And um, when we can't digest properly, then we can't detox properly. And then all of these things are being reabsorbed into our bloodstream. So like LDL particles. So this could be an, another indicator that digestion is off. So again, we're back to the foundation of of the house. We're back to the foundation of our body and of health and wellness and of things being able to function properly. So your thyroid is your, is your master gland. They call it your master gland. It is your metabolic regulating organ. So when we say metabolic, we're talking about, um, you know, how you burn calories, you know, how your body uses fuel, like how your, how your body uses fuel, how quickly it uses fuel, um, all those types of things. And it actually metabolic processes are also in charge of how your liver detoxes and how your liver gets rid of things. So, um, this master gland is, is very, very important and we need to have it working 
properly. Now, she had stated um, her T4 and T3 numbers, but she didn't state if those were free T free T4 and free T3, I'm not sure. And she also did not state her thyroid stimulating hormone, which is your TSH. Your TSH is actually produced by your pituitary gland, and that tells your, your thyroid to release these hormones. It stimulates your thyroid gland to release the hormones. Now, the reason it's important to know what the the TH, um, TSH level is, is that just helps us to be able to better diagnose, like a doctor, obviously I'm not diagnosing anything, but it would help you if you were looking at your numbers to diagnose yourself with if this is hypothyroid or, um, you know, like hypothyroiditis, or if this is a Hashimoto's, or um, there's different levels of these things and how they interact with each other, these different markers, and kind of lets you know where you are. And so I would definitely recommend if you are struggling with 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 um, not typical uh, thyroid hormone levels and you're struggling with some of these things as Sonia has mentioned in this email that you go to a qualified endocrinologist maybe you try to find a um, a naturopath or a functional medicine practitioner that can point you in the right direction if they feel unqualified to help you. Um, but just going to a standard endocrinologist is typically not going to get you the answers that you need. Um, just simply because most of them don't draw all these conclusions properly. And again, their tools in their tool belt are typically surgeries, which they'll ablate the thyroid, um, remove it, or they will give you, put you on the thyroid hormone that you're missing so that, you know, you're, they're just like, here you go, um, take this and everything will be fine without addressing the underlying problem. And if you don't address the underlying problem, that those drugs or those surgeries will only work for so long before the, whatever was actually causing the issue is going to rear its ugly head, maybe in some other way, some other disease in your body and, and create some other problem. Okay. So kind of trying to tie this back together a little bit is when I'm looking at what she's told me the blood test says, um, this is this would be a great opportunity for her doctor to, instead of saying, oh my gosh, you should be freaking out that your cholesterol is high, um, for them to be looking at the fact that she also has these numbers on the thyroid panel and the blood work from the thyroid and realizing that it appears that she is dealing with hypothyroid, which is a slowed thyroid. Um, so so the, the thyroid is producing these hormones slow, slowly, low, you know, it's not producing them as needed and or that the conversion of T4 into T3 is not happening properly. And that could be also having that also can happen in a hypothyroid problem where generally you'll have about let's say 20 percent um, of t3 and about 20 and about 80 percent of t4 free t3 and free t4 um, released into your bloodstream by the thyroid so here's where we can see that breakdown in the conversion of the T4 into the active T3. So when our body uh, signals that we need the T3, um, then there are a couple of places that this is primarily done, that this conversion happens. One of them is your gut. So again, we're back to digestion. So if she's having digestive issues, um, specifically if she's got leaky gut, which um, is probably 
going on. Again, not diagnosing, but typically with any autoimmune issue, you have leaky gut as a disorder. So again, the digestion is not happening properly. We've got large particles of food that are getting into the bloodstream that should not be. They should be further broken down before being released, but they're getting released too early. Now we've got an inflammatory autoimmune, you know, an immune response here. Um, so we are pretty certain that that is happening. We can also have a dysbiosis. So this is the imbalance of gut bacteria. Um, she did say already that she was diagnosed with IBS, which IBS is inflammatory bowel. Um, that is really just a fancy word. It's just a way to put a diagnosis on the fact that your gut has dysbiosis, that you have you have some kind of inflammation in your gut. And um, little tidbit here, if they put a diagnosis, if they put a name with your diagnosis, they can then uh, prescribe a medication to you. Um, but you can't prescribe a medication necessarily for just, oh, um, my digestion's poor. So, um, so that's the kind of a little tip trick in the industry um, is that if you're diagnosed with something, like they come up with all of these different names for stuff, um, then all of a sudden there's medications for IBS. Um, when it's, I mean, if you have any kind of, of irritable bowel, any kind of issue going on in there, um, then yeah, you have IBS. Um, you don't need somebody to tell you or a doctor to give you that diagnosis, if that makes sense. Um, but that's one of the places that the conversion happens. So it reduces your ability to be able to convert the T4 into the active T3 that your body needs for proper metabolism. The other main place that T4 is converted into T3 is your liver. So again, if we are having issues with detoxification, digestion, if we're holding the food too long in our digestive tract, we're not able to properly detox, then that is a huge burden on the liver. So then we know the liver's function. It has about 550 things that the liver does for us in our bodies. So we know that if that, if the liver is impaired and we're not properly digesting, we're not properly detoxing, we know that um, bile flow is probably really off and that is plays a huge role in detoxification and getting these um, toxic uh, um, particles and, and toxins out of our, out of our body then we know that the liver is not going to be able to properly convert um, the T4 to T3. And as a matter of fact, when we have these things going on, not only can we be having a really difficult time um, doing these with the conversion, but now our body is under stress. Poor digestion, having all these toxins in our in our body that our liver's trying to deal with, just our lifestyle, not being in a parasympathetic state, um, you know, staying in the sympathetic stress, you know, state all the time. The, this leads to chronic stress. These are chronic stressors. If they go on and on for periods of time, these are chronic stressors to our body. And when we're on chronic, when we are having chronic stress, then we are going to be producing higher and higher amounts of the stress hormone cortisol. When we're, when we're producing that much cortisol, we cannot convert. This affects our ability to convert. So what it ends up doing is redirecting T4 into a hormone that's called reverse T3. Now we need reverse T3, but we need a very, it's a, it's a very delicate balance of this. So um, when we have too much of it, because we have these elevated levels of cortisol, this actually slows our metabolism. Um, another thing that can really mess up our T3 conversion and get us producing way too much of the reverse T3 is when we are eating um, 
under eating. We're not providing our body enough calories. And this is something that I go over all the time with women um, that I'm working with in coaching. And one of the things that she mentions in this email is that she has tried restricting calories and it's not helping. Well, if you've got a thyroid problem going on already, um, not only will it help to create the thyroid problem to begin with, but if you've already got a thyroid issue going on with the slowing of your metabolism, trying to restrict calories will actually work completely against you. Um, because the more we restrict calories, the more our body will redirect T4 into T3, the reverse T3, which will continue to cause our metabolism to drop. And the reason our body does that is it's trying to help us survive. It thinks that you're in a, um, a time of famine. It thinks that you're not able to get enough. So it's a protective mechanism put in place to help you survive. Um, it's all about survival. And at the risk of like diving too, throwing too many concepts at you at once, um, another issue that kind of, that can happen here that again is related to digestion, this really everything comes back to this foundation of digestion. And then in my um, experience, it's, it's very quickly followed by the ability to detox, by a person's ability to detox, which is, again, linked to digestive health um, and largely linked to liver health. But um, another thing that is going to add to this issue is if we don't have um, so there's so there's a couple of things. First of all, when we can't convert T4 to T3, we are we're, we like I've said before in this show that especially correlates with the cholesterol, higher cholesterol, because it's indicating to us that there is inflammation in the body. So being able to reduce that inflammation is going to be critical in being able to reverse or um, or help any kind of uh, hypothyroid issue that we have. So we need to be able to help that. So having a proper diet is, is huge. So you wanna avoid the inflammatory things. The biggest inflammatory um, foods across the board are always gonna be gluten, dairy, soy, and corn, and sugar. So, um, and those things are ubiquitous, right? I mean, they're everywhere. I mean, those five things are pretty much in everything that we eat. So um, the only exception with dairy is typically butter, but most of the time, if you're having issues with thyroid, you need to be careful even with cheese. So um, trying to watch eating um, maybe the harder cheeses um, that don't have so much lactose in them is going to be very helpful. Um, so, but in general, avoiding those things, most certainly the gluten, um, most certainly sugar. So really low, uh, you know, limiting your carbohydrate intake is going to be very helpful with the exception of fruits and vegetables. And even then, um, I know I'll have some probably people send me messages like I'm crazy how can I be a nutritionist and say this but but even then watching those things can be helpful as Sonia even writes in the email she has noticed when she has vegetables um, it causes her a lot of digestive distress and um, this is true across the board for many people um, especially people that are dealing with thyroid issues a hypothyroid because Again, we are we can assume a few things that digestion is not working properly, that they've got inflammatory bowel going on or inflammatory um, gut 
in intestines in some way, shape, or form, probably leaky gut. And vegetables, as good as they may be for some people, when you have those things going on, they can be really, really bad for you because it's very difficult for us to break those down. Um, we do not use a large portion of a vegetable when we eat it. Um, we will defecate most of that out. Um, so it takes our body a, a lot, um, our digestive tract, a lot to be able to break that down when compared to something like a protein, like an animal food, like an egg or, um, or an animal meat or an organ or something like that. Um, vegetables are much more difficult for our body to, rec to break down and we do not retain as much of it. So it um, provides us with a lot of waste material that if we are not if our transit time isn't good, then that waste material is sitting in our gut and that waste material has a lot of toxins. And then we are reabsorbing those toxins. So it's just continues this vicious cycle. So being aware of that is important. Um, another huge factor to conversion of T4 to T3 are minerals. We need specific minerals and vitamins to be able to do that. And two minerals that are essential for this process are zinc and selenium. So um, if we are not, it, it's, it's interesting to me that zinc is also one of the minerals that is essential for hydrochloric acid production. So if we're deficient in hydrochloric acid, then we are probably deficient in zinc. And then if we're deficient in zinc, then we're deficient in the ability to be able to convert T4 to T3 because it's an essential mineral needed for that conversion. But it's kind of a cart before the horse situation because if we don't have zinc to produce hydrochloric acid, then we can't break down the food to get the zinc out to produce hydrochloric acid. Um, this is where supplementation comes in and can really help someone because you can eat all the zinc containing foods that there are on the planet, but if you can't break the food down properly, then you're not able to um, get those nutrients and then you're not able to perform all the tasks that you need using those nutrients that you need. Does that make sense? I know that's that's a lot of the, you know, is it the, is it the chicken or the egg thing, right? Like which comes first? But that that is a time when I do um, recommend to my clients that they would supplement. Um, HCL is almost always something that I recommend that people supplement with because it's difficult to be able to turn that around without a little assistance um, exogenously. In addition, um, having these, th you know, if you're having some some hypo um, function with your thyroid or Hashimoto's, it could indicate that you've got thyroid, or I'm sorry, iodine insufficiency, which I've talked about before on here. So <clears throat> making sure that you're getting plenty of iodine, um, or it could be that your receptors are blocked for iodine. So if you're drinking tap water or you're showering in municipal water supply, so if you don't have a um, a, a filter for your home and you're showering every day and that water is, you're breathing it in as it's evaporating into the air and then that water is soaking into your skin, that can give you... Um, where you're getting in a lot of fluoride and chlorine into your body and fluoride and chlorine will compete with iodine um, receptors. So you, they'll block the reset, the ability, your ability to be able to absorb iodine. Basically that's, that's the bottom line of that story. So, um, so that can give you an iodine deficiency, which iodine is extremely important to your thyroid. It has to have proper levels of, of iodine. 
um, fatty acid or protein insufficiency, which again, if you don't have good levels of hydrochloric acid, you are not gonna be properly digesting protein and you will not be able to have proper levels of fatty acids because as you continue downstream in the digestion through your small intestine into your colon, you have to have proper levels of, of um, pH all the way through to stimulate the other digestive enzymes and the release of bile from the gallbladder and liver to be able to digest, to be able to emulsify the fats so that you can get the fatty acids out to be able to be used. Um, hormonal imbalances, ingesting water, again, containing halogens, which I just talked about, fluoride and chlorine. Diets that are high in carbohydrates, that can lead to Hashimoto's because you are putting too much of a strain on your pancreas with the insulin production. You're keeping insulin high all the time, which is going to elicit a um, response from other hormones that are that are going to keep you in this fight or flight state all the time, this stressed out state like cortisol and adrenaline. And these are going to um, lead to these types of issues, to depletion of, the, of what you need to be able to have healthy um, thyroid. And part of making sure you have a healthy thyroid is making sure that you have these other um, organs that are and these other glands that are functioning properly, like your adrenals. Because when we're taxing the thyroid, we're taxing the adrenals. And this is a very downstream effect. I mean, it's not... Uh, localized to just one organ. That's why we can't just treat one thing. We can't just treat the symptoms and say, oh, okay, well, we're just going to take this drug or do this thing because that is not going to fix the other issues that our body is pretty much, um, we pretty much know that our body is having a hard time uh, managing. So, um, couple of things that we can, uh, I wanted to give you guys a couple uh, or a few things to talk about um, knowing, like if you, if you're, if you're listening to this and you're going, wow, you know, I really don't know, like, how do I know if I'm dealing with this? How do I know if I'm having, um, if I have hypothyroid, like, how do I know if these things are happening to me? Because all of this sounds like, wow, you know, I know I have digestive issues and I know that I'm stressed out all the time. So now you're thinking, well, great. I've just diagnosed myself with hypothyroid. <laughs> so, um, let me give you a few of the, uh, symptoms that you may be experiencing that could let you know that maybe this is something that you need to explore further, or at least, um, that you could do some of the things I'm going to mention here at the end that you could help. Uh, do to kind of help your body be able to mitigate any of these things. Okay, so some of the symptoms could be things like fatigue. And I'm not just talking about tired, but you're just kind of fatigued all the time. You're just always feeling run down and worn out. Um, you have an increased sensitivity to cold, so you're cold all of the time. can't seem to warm up. Um, constipation, again, back to transit time and digestive issues. Um, dry skin, you're putting on weight or you can't lose weight. Um, you feel stuck no matter what you do. Your face is puffy, so um, indication of you know water retention. Um, hoarseness in your voice, your, um, you have muscle weakness or muscle aches, tenderness, stiffness, specifically when you're getting up in the morning. So if you're really stiff and you have a hard time like getting moving in the morning, that could be a sign. Um, elevated blood cholesterol, there we go again with the cholesterol link. Um, heavier than normal or just irregular periods. If you have thinning or dry, brittle hair. So um, Sonia specifically mentioned that she's losing her hair. Um, another sign related to hair is that 
that you'll start losing the outer third of your eyebrow. So if you notice that the outer third of your eyebrow is very, very thin or gone altogether, that is a sign. Um, depression, impaired memory. And then of course, if you have an enlarged thyroid gland, um, like a goiter, um, that it's called a goiter, um, then that is a, um, that's a sign of hypothyroidism as well. Okay, so now that I've told you what you what may be, so how what can you do to help yourself? Like if you want to just start making changes at home today, what can you do? Well, some of the things that you can do is start to drink, cook, shower, etc., in only filtered water. Um, water that you know is filtering out the fluoride and the chlorine specifically. Um, we need to get that out of there. Um, you need to see if you are iodine insufficient. So I've um, shown before on um, YouTube videos and in classes and everything else, how you do, how you get an iodine tincture and you paint that on your skin. So you can get this from any, pretty much any drugstore, so like a CVS or a Walgreens or a Rite Aid. Um, you just get the iodine tincture, you can paint it directly on your skin. You just paint a little square, maybe like a, a two by two, two inch by two inch little square on your arm or on your stomach, wherever you wanna put it, and watch to see how long that takes to fade. So if that um, iodine square disappears in, more, in less than 24 hours, then you are iodine deficient because your body will literally suck that iodine off of your skin to be used. So you know that you have an iodine insufficiency if that is if that disappears sooner than 12 hours. Um, you also want to keep diets lower in carbohydrates. So um, you need to get your carbs down. Now, if you're dealing with, with diagnosed hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's, you really want to be eating less than probably 60, 70 grams of carbs per day. Um, I would submit that you probably want to eat even less than that. There's a lot of conflicting information out there, but the bottom line is, is that carbohydrates do cause inflammation in our bodies. We There's only so much that we can handle. They are the only non-essential macronutrient in our diet, so there is no need for carbohydrates. What we need are the minerals and the vitamins that people um, associate with carbohydrates because vegetables are carbs, right? Fruits are carbs. So people say, oh my gosh, I have to limit my carbs. You're telling me to limit my, my good for me fruits and vegetables. And so how am I gonna get my vitamins? Well, if you're eating a, a variety of of well-sourced animal foods, you're going to get those vitamins. So you're not gonna be deficient in those things. So making sure um, that you are um, keeping those carbohydrates low is a good thing. Now, I tend to subscribe to the, um, to the thought process that if they are leafy greens, that I'm not worried about what the carb count is. So if you're eating like spinach and kale and card and or chard, sorry, and collard greens, I think that was a, a chard and collard uh, word together. Um, if you're eating those types of things, you're sauteing those, veg those, those greens, you're eating them like that, that is a great way to get those. And you don't wanna cook them too much because you will cook the nutrients out of them. <laughs> so you wanna be careful with that, um, but making sure that you are keeping those low. This is also gonna be extremely important when it comes to fruit. So fructose will go straight to the liver to be processed. It does not go through digestion to be processed. Um, it also does not raise your blood sugar. So your blood glucose, since it doesn't enter the bloodstream, it goes straight to the liver first. So your so the um, so the the idea would be well that's great. It doesn't raise blood sugar, and so it's not raising insulin, and so that's no inflammation. That's going to be great. But the problem is, is that when we eat too much fructose 
and or our liver is already overburdened and now it's trying to also deal with the fructose, it will just turn those fruit, that fructose into fat. And so that is one of the reasons that we, uh, or one of the ways that we can get fatty liver is just high levels of fructose. So where else do we get high levels of fructose? Well, think processed foods like high fructose corn syrup that's in processed drinks and foods, those things, and breads even. Um, so that is how we're going to get that and we're gonna be overburdening the liver as well there. So we need to be helping the liver as much as we can. Um, so, and then um, making sure, again, I told you about the inflammatory things that you're eating, the soy, the soy, sugar, um, corn, gluten, and dairy, really managing those, making sure that you're keeping that um, at, at bay and making sure you're getting enough fatty acid and, and amino acid intake. And again, this is going to go back to digestion. You need to be able, or you, you, you need to not only be getting a diet that's got plenty of good healthy proteins and plenty of good healthy fats, and you need a variety of fats, um, especially the monounsaturated and the saturated fats. But in addition to that, you need to be able to digest it. So if you're eating the best diet on the planet, but you can't digest it, then all of this is gonna be for not. You're not gonna be getting what you need. So really working on your digestion and making sure that you are able to digest your food is going to be really huge. Um, some other kind of adjunct therapies that you can do, infrared sauna is very helpful. That is going to just help with detoxification, which will definitely help with any type of thyroid issue or detox issue. Um, you're also going to, you could also do things like, um, uh, like a uh, castor oil pack. So we learned about this in um, my training in nutritional um, therapy school. We learned about this and most holistic, um, you know, naturopaths and functional medicine doctors and um, pretty much any holistic nutritionist, we learn, we all learn about the castor oil packs. This is, it's not a new thing. It's in my textbooks. It's in my information that I have, but it's one of those things that for a few years I've completely ignored and not paid any attention to it. Like I read about it and I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. And it's listed as things that you can do to help improve things specifically with this and with liver detoxification. But I didn't really get into it until a few months ago. And I can tell you that it is amazing. It's life-changing. So two things without going into all the mechanisms, you can read about this. It's very well researched. Um, we have been doing castor oil packs for thousands of years. It's um, you know it's a it's a really well researched therapy. Um, but you can a couple of the things that it that they that it does for you is it helps your body to get into a parasympathetic state, um, which is super important. So if you can just do a castor oil pack every single day and ensure that for like an hour a day you are getting into a parasympathetic state, that's amazing. So I like to do mine. Um, maybe I watch a, a show that I wanna watch or I'll, I'll read before bed with my castor oil pack on, something like that. So it's really good <clears throat> for getting you in a parasympathetic state. It's also a good idea to do before you eat. So if you're having your largest meal of the day, maybe that's dinner, right before you eat dinner, maybe the half hour, hour before dinner, if you're able to sit with that castor oil pack on and really allow your body to get into that parasympathetic state, then you're going to be helping your digestion. 
Um, it's also really, really good for helping your liver detox. So your liver, um, the molecular weight of castor oil is such that it is the only oil able to not only penetrate the skin, but to actually penetrate to the organ level. So it can penetrate where your liver is actually able to use these fatty acids and it doesn't have to break them down. Like they're already been broken down. So you're just absorbing these fatty acids directly um, to your liver. So a great way to do this is to put the castor oil pack over the uh, right side of your abdomen under your rib cage. So that is going to be a direct um, shot to your liver. And so this is another great way to be able to do that. So um, lots of great benefits. There's many, many more, but those are two that are really great. Um, and so what you do is you literally just take an organic cotton or flannel cloth um, and you're going to fold it a few times. You saturate it with, with castor oil and you're going to fold that into a little, um, like a little pack, a little, maybe like a four by four inch square. And you can lay that on your abdomen. Then I lay another cloth over top of that. And then I use a heating pad and put that over top of it because that is going to heat that up and it's going to open the pores of your skin. So it's able to better penetrate the skin. Um, you can also do a castor oil pack in the sauna. So if you're doing an infrared sauna, um, that's a really great way to get your castor oil pack time in as well, um, is to do it there because you're already going to be hot and you're, that's going to open up. Um, another great thing that you can do to help with digestion, um, kind of clean out and liver detox is coffee enemas. Um, again, I've talked about these before on, on this podcast and you can get, you can get tons of information regarding coffee enemas on the internet as well. So I would suggest that you Google that and, um, get that information. All right. So, um, that is about all I have to say about this email that I got. I know that was a long, um, a long podcast episode, guys, and I appreciate you hanging in there all the way through. I hope that gave you some good information and kind of helped you to kind of understand and see how things are connected and, and how, you know, our bodies and our body, the organs and the systems within our body do not work independently. We are very, um, all interconnected. And, um, that's why, you know, just seeing the endocrinologist for this and seeing the gynecologist for this and seeing, you know, the, um, internal medicine specialist for this and see, you know, it's all these disconnected specialties, but our bodies are not disconnected like that. Um, they're all connected. So being able to kind of see how this works together can be really, really helpful in your um, quest to get healthier and, and be more whole and functioning as a whole healthy being. Okay. So thank you again so much for listening all the way through. And if you would like to send your own questions in or your own comments, you can do so to my email at jessica at jessicatai.com. Again, jessica, J-I-S-S-I-C-A at jessicatai.com. Um, you can also fill out a form on my website if you would rather do it that way. And my website is www.jessicatai.com. You can also get information about how to join my group coaching. If you are interested in doing that, you would then be part of the group coaching call every single week. In addition to having a one-on-one -on -one, um, time that you get to talk to me one-on-one -on -one every single month. So we can go over these types of things specifically as they relate to you, any kind of issues like this that you're having, and we can work through those together. So I would love to be able to work with you and, um, 
love to see you there. So you can go to my website to get more information about that or to get signed up and get started right away. And we do have a call this afternoon, actually. And um, I will be back on here after the Keto at the Cabin event. So um, hopefully I'm going to see you there at the event. But otherwise, I will catch up with you all uh, in a couple of weeks. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed what we share with you today and are looking forward to the next episode. 